Nebraska got out of its own way, propelled by a big first half to win on Saturday against Purdue. Duskers are now hoping to take that momentum into the final home game of 2020. We'll recap the Purdue game and set our sights on the Minnesota matchup with our special guest, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Sean Callahan will also be here to update us on the latest in Nebraska recruiting. It's all coming up next on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe, and welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Nebraska took care of business, winning all three phases against Purdue and getting the second win of the season. Joining me tonight, former Husker Jay Moore. It was close on special teams. Both teams made mistakes, uh-huh. but in the end, Nebraska did more on special teams and, and definitely did more. Yeah, on I mean, how big was Connor Colt? It was huge. I mean, he's been huge all year. Mm-hmm. He's been really good. 11 of 12. Yeah, only, only miss was against Northwestern early in that first half. This was, you know, the, you look at, we start off the block punt. Yeah. And we kind of looking to finish off that half strong. We get the fourth down stop. Yeah. And they, we, we literally, it was just poor operations. I mean, he's got to get that ball off about two steps. And I, 70, for some reason, takes a step to the left right before yeah, it. Yeah, he kind of lets him into I don't, the yeah, middle. Yeah, you let him go. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but you got to one-two that thing. And you get that thing. If they're shoulder to shoulder and yeah. prop doesn't get his yeah. helmet through there. Yeah, you get him 30, a 30-yard 30 punt. Right. And they're not getting three points. And I thought, and just... Nebraska fashion, I'm like, oh, those three points are going to kill us. Yeah. I just, but somehow, it was only three yes. where it could have been a touch. David it Bell could. almost made that catch know, in the end zone. I know. Incredible. But, yeah, it's, again, too close for comfort. Just, mm-hmm. as, just as we've become – Right. This is, you know, we've come – we're used to that now, I guess. It's just we – except last year's uh, Maryland game. That was the only comfortable win we've had in yeah. how many years now? So – Hey, Bethune I'm, I'm going to take it. <laughs> Don't forget about <laughs> that game. Yeah, you're right. I kind of forget about the booth. Minnesota a couple years ago. That's okay, a good okay. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is weird because Nebraska obviously is playing Minnesota this week, hopefully, at the, when you see this. Yeah. They're still playing them. But it's so funny because I think about last year and the way everything felt going into that game, and now everything feels completely different playing the Gophers. It's, mm-hmm. it, and one part of it is obviously coming off a win. So It does. It, it, it feels a lot different. And Minnesota is just – they've struggled this year. Mm-hmm. And they're, now they've had their COVID issues and – but Bateman's um, opted out. Opted out, and so their best players aren't. I mean, aren't playing. But Tanner Morgan has has done some good things. Ibrahim is a phenomenal running back really with Norfolk or <laughs> with Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, so it's 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 just weird because this year has been so crazy. Like you said, I'm fingers are crossed. Everything goes smoothly mm-hmm. through these next three days, and they no more cases. Nebraska's right. okay. Because Purdue's had a spike in cases, obviously, with just playing them uh, just a few days ago. Um, I mean, you're just seeing games. I mean, no more Michigan-Ohio State. Yeah, the, the big game wasn't played. The axe hasn't been played with Wisconsin uh, and Minnesota. We're losing so many. It looks like we might lose the bucket mm-hmm. game as well with Purdue and Indiana. I mean, those are games that have been played for some of our 100 years. I know. It's, and we're not surprised. I mean, we, this, is, this is what the Big Ten gave us. <laughs> yes. This is what this is what Commissioner Warren yeah. this is what he set up for us. It was that you got, hey you got eight weeks to play eight games yeah. or nine weeks to play nine games. Good luck, Commissioner Warren and the presidents and, and chancellors, chancellors yes. who have a lot of power and it was their decision to do this in a lot of ways. But we all saw it coming, right? Oh, we Nebraska did. was right out in front saying this is going to happen. We all saw it coming. You knew this was going to be this way. Oh, without a doubt. I I was a little naive. I'm like ah, you know I was I think they can get this done. But then, mm-hmm. but then you know week two Nebraska is the first game that's right. canceled against with against Wisconsin. We're like oh my gosh what are we what are we doing here now? So mm-hmm. you, it's it was inevitable. You yep. know it just was it was going to happen. You just look across. I mean it would have been nice to start end of September. 
just like the ACC and the SEC did. Right. Give them some time to play. Give them, you know, give them a couple weeks here and there to make up games. And honestly, it would have been nice to start on September 5th with the original schedule that they had yep. and have those three bye weeks scheduled in there to make up all of this. That was a perfect schedule. It was, it was the best. I mean, 120 hours of Zoom meetings, <laughs> you know, all the ADs to make this thing work out. And right. here we are, and you know, Ohio State's going to have five games, and rules are going to get probably – renegotiated tomorrow to make them probably allow them to play in the Big Ten Championship. And, you know, Nebraska's hopefully going to be able to play their seventh game. And Minnesota's coming off the two-week break. And you just look, you just go down the, the list of, I mean, everyone's dealing with it right now. Yep. But, you know, us in the Pac-12 look kind of silly right now. It does, honest. no doubt. Now, we have lots to talk about tonight, <clears throat> a lot more. We can't do without your help. Reach out and connect with us tonight by texting or emailing to BigRed at NETNebraska.org. Our eyes are also peeled on social media as well tonight. Send us your comments or questions on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll try to make sure we get to as many of those as we can throughout the show. Here's this week's all-new sideline survey. After the last performance, do you think Nebraska will win out? Simple question. Yes, no, or depends on who the opponent is on December 9th. That's a good point for championship week as of right now. Very positive from the Nebraska fans. 79% say yes, Nebraska will win out. Let's take a look at the players of the game from this past Saturday. This wasn't actually easy to do, right? Because Adrian Martinez, yes. But Wanda Robinson, it was mm-hmm. a real big argument to have him again as the player of the week. Yeah, you could. I mean, that's every week. He's. Yeah. It's, it's nice, though, to have. A couple guys you're arguing about who could be the offensive player of the game because it's just been him so far this year. Adrian was good against Iowa. Yes. And we had, I think we had, he was our player of the game last week as well. But it's nice to have a couple offensive guys you're like, who, who could be it? But this, this play right here whew. is his play of the season. Yes, this was nice. This is, this is, this is freshman year, Adrian. Yeah. Breaking nope. tackles, mm-hmm. finishing in the end zone. Um, that shows his strength, you know, and he gets he hurts his shoulder later in the game, but early in the game he was being very physical. Yeah. And then on defense, this is again a lot of choices here. Deontay Williams had a huge game. Uh, Will Honus had a couple of really good plays in the game. Uh, you could have had a number of people. I, I think Ben Stilley had a wonderful great. game. Yeah. Uh, we go Cam Taylor Britt because really he sealed the game. If you look at what he did in terms of high pointing that ball. Um, the, the last throw, the last drive, and knocking that ball away was huge. He also had this punt return, which added on another 15 yards because he had a sideline warning for that as well. So uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, really, really good game as our defensive player. He's played good all year. He's he been, has. He's been really – he's been good. And only being a junior. I, I made a mistake. I thought he was a senior. I'm like, oh, boy, we get him for we get him for another year. Yeah, I mean, more he, is, he is – He's a junior. The year doesn't count. Correct. I'm sure yeah. he'll want to go to the NFL, but the year, there's, that's there's the play. play right there. That nice, nice – Marketing by the by the Nebraska's media there with all the they yeah. had this clip of like a blocking a soccer ball, blocking a a, a layup. So that was that yeah. was that was nice. That was fun to see. But he he played a heck of a ball game. And again, you know, you have Bell and and Rondell Moore. And besides the one big catch that Bell has, when, you know, when they run into each other, yeah. you know, he played. He locked them down pretty well. Dotson got locked down very well from Penn State. Yeah. So. Uh, the secondary has, has stepped up, and it's just I don't, we don't hear about DiCaprio Boodle that much. Because he it, makes it, plays. But they don't throw to a side that much, yeah, you know, so sure. that's a good thing. You know, yeah. offensive linemen and, and DBs, you never really want to hear their name called that much. <laughs> yeah. And that's – we've had a couple – Hymas has been that way too. He hasn't had a whole lot of uh, his name called that much, which is what you want for an O-lineman. Really a good thing, yeah. That's our little tape now. Look at the highlights from Saturday's game against Purdue. As you know, it started off great with the block punt. Levi Falk, who had a huge game, actually, catching the ball, blocking, and then also blocking that punt. Uh, it would have been nice if, if Simon Oti could have picked it up and, and <laughs> taken it in. But you know who loved that he didn't? 
do. Diedrich Mills. Yes. Diedrich it takes Mills. a weird bounce, right? It does right there. There, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I think he was hop. worried about maybe knocking it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. But Diedrich Mills comes in. Now, he'd missed the last two games, got hurt against Penn State. He says he wasn't even sure until he got that carry that how good he felt. But he ended up having a very good game. Uh, we mentioned Cam Taylor-Brett earlier. Here's uh, the punt return he had uh, in the game. This is another part of, we talked about Purdue was really struggling special teams-wise, and you saw it very early. Block punt, long return, sideline interference, Nebraska back-to-back starting inside the red zone. Yeah, that's that play we just talked about earlier. Yeah. Just step in the pocket. Good feel. Adrian had a great feel in the pocket all day. We've seen him kind of struggle last year having some feel and almost rushing out of the pocket too early. Steps up very nicely, eludes multiple tackles, and it's... I mean, just extends over the goal, and that's that's big-time play right there. He didn't lead the team in rushing this week, which is good. That's a good thing. 13 rushes of 45 yards. Uh, big game, as we've talked about, uh, with for Wando, Mo- Wando Robinson, but also Xavier Betts. We started seeing more of him. Six targets, five catches. We mentioned Wando Robinson, the game he had, which was outstanding. 20 targets over the last two weeks for him. And as you mentioned, Connor Culp, 11 of 12 now on the season. Nebraska goes up 17-0, but you know Purdue's offense is too good to not score. And they get started here. Uh, Xander Horgoff with this catch. Uh, just He's great in the screen game. You don't want to tackle a guy that's... No, he's like... I mean, Mike Allside was a Purdue guy too, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Boom, boom, he's, boom. Yeah, he's just tough to get down. <laughs> no doubt. Rondo Moore, one of the better plays they had. Rondo Moore only averaged six yards a catch, but that was third and 12. But the black shirts step up again. Uh, stop Purdue, limit them to a field goal, 17-3 right there. That's That was kind of the story of the day. A couple times the black shirts really stepped up, especially when they started getting close to the red zone. Here's Connor Cope, 49 yards. A little knuckleball action here, a little, little cut knuckleball there from the <laughs> kicker. I like it. Not easy to kick field goals in the Big Ten in December. It is definitely not wind blowing in two, three different directions. Uh, here's a guy I think, I think Antrop has been with Purdue for at least eight years. It feels like it. Well, this whole family, they said, went yeah. to Purdue. So, <laughs> they like, all brother played basketball, mom and dad went there. It seems like every time I look up, he's still there. Uh, this is a play you're going to look at yeah. in the huddle coming up. A lot of window dressing on that play, but King Daru uh, ends up getting the touchdown. I think we can point out who made the mistake on that one. We'll do that coming up. Uh, and then here's Martinez again. Another pass to Wanda Robinson making a big play on a third and 10, which was clutch there. Um, and then this is one of the things that you find about, you mentioned getting out of the pocket, stepping up in the pocket. It seemed like he found the open spaces yes. all day, uh, Martinez. Did. And then this is a outstanding play. It's great. And they switched the formation. They started left, moved it right, and they couldn't get their other guy. They're a shorter guy. They had two guys for three guys out there. So that's just simple math. Then here's the end of the half. Nebraska had some problems with clock management. They give up the block. But the good news is, even though that happens where it does, Purdue had three plays to try to get the ball in the end zone and couldn't. Blackshirt step up again, forced another field goal, 27-13 at half. A clutch couple of times for the Blackshirts getting stops after getting short fields for Purdue. Uh, here's where it gets started in the third quarter. And... Adrian Martinez kind of bangs his shoulder a little bit on this play. You see him get up for a second. He kind of grabs the shoulder for a second. Um, would have to go into the tent after a while after this drive, but uh, still stays in there. Uh, you had Levi Falk at five catches for 39 yards. And then the follow play, following a great block by Diedrich Mills. That's four rushing touchdowns so far on the season for Adrian Martinez. The score 34-13 at this point. Nebraska feeling very good about where they are. But we talked about it. Purdue, very good offensive ball club. Rondo Moore with another catch, uh, getting them down into a chance to make this play. This was a great move. Uh, Moore goes in motion, which then moves Luke Reimer inside, and it allows him to throw the ball to the tight end. Durham with the touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 34-20. Nebraska still up two scores. But this play was right... 
what kind of scared people, remind them a little bit of Colorado here with the deep ball, two defenders running to each other, and there goes uh, David Bell, who is going to be a draft pick uh, when his time is after next year. 34-27, Nebraska fans a little nervous at this point, really worried about it. But here's another play that Jay's going to show. Big play to Austin Allen, who's had a great year so far. Couldn't keep his balance, but did a really good job to get open there on four verts. And then the field goal to make it two scores and give Nebraska a little bit of a cushion. And then, as we mentioned earlier, our defensive player of the game, Cam Taylor-Britt, makes a huge play here. It looks like the receiver is behind him. He high points the ball, one hand, knocks it away, which ends up sealing the game for Nebraska, getting the stop. Really good pass rush as well uh, down the stretch for Nebraska with that big stop. Final score, 37-27. to 27. We look at the... The stats, the final stats in the game, and Nebraska's rushing yards is the one that stands out. 111 yards to minus two for Purdue. That was one of the keys to the game. Decent on third down, lots of penalties for both teams. That was something that certainly we can forget about all those penalties. Let's head over now to the the playbook and check in in the huddle with Jay Moore. All right, so... Couple plays I'm gonna break down. First one's defensively. Uh, we already saw in the highlights, but the word of this huddle breakdown is rerouting, um, and this is it comes in uh, really important in both these plays. So this first defensive play that we saw with the touchdown to 22, the running back. So I'm gonna highlight Rondell Moore. Obviously, when he's wherever he's in the field, you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. What's for? What's he doing? Where's he going? So as he's coming in motion here, you're going to get now. Will Honus comes down. With the motion, his eyes are on him. You got JoJo Doman dropping in in his little quarters coverage. He's dropping to help this, uh, this top route underneath. Now, with his vision here, now Will Honus is like, okay, Rondell Moore, I got to get, get to him. But reroute, help out your guys on the back end. Now, if he could have just got a simple jam, a shove here, but again, Rondell Moore, I got to get to him. All eyes on him. You jam him up. Now you get in the back end here with Deontay Williams. He probably is a little too heavy on this side because you have really three guys covering one guy. So he, in this situation, you have to know where your help is as a safety. I have, I have a linebacker underneath. I have my other. I have Dismuke right here sitting here helping me out over top. And even, even um, Cam Taylor Britt's here if it's happened to, you know, it bails out and he wants to run a seven route or something. But nice first things first, reroute this guy. Buy him time. He doesn't. To was not allowed to get him back over top. Again, playing too heavy. An easy pitch and catch there for a touchdown Purdue. Now, offensively, as we go, as we go, I'm going to try to skip here, guys. There we go. A little malfunction on my end. Now, let's look at this play. Now, again, reroute. Now we're going to have a little uh, tackle pull by Farniok here to give a different look. You're going to get Mills coming across. They do not reroute Austin Allen. He gives them a free release. Eyes in the backfield. The tackle pull maybe gives them a, a, a threat of a run, but you're allowed to have him run right down the middle. No reroute. Now good pocket. Great pocket. Everyone's well protected. Ben Hart gets a little pressure up the middle, but that's a clean pocket for Adrian. Good, good footwork. Great snap, by the way. And, boom, on the money, great throw over top, Austin Allen. Would like to see the big fella score, but all in all, teams could have done better reroutes on each side to would help them out defensively. Jay, you talk about it all the time, eye discipline, right? And, and I think that King Daru touchdown came down to all the pre-snap movement. And I think Nebraska was looking at the window dressing opposed to knowing where they were you know, playing their keys. 
And I think that's what ended up leading to that one. Oh, it certainly was a lot of movement before. Yeah, you get to Rondell Moore in motion, yep. and you got to be alert. Okay, four's going in motion. Mm-hmm. I think Will was just – I always like the phrase, the John Wooden phrase, be quick but never in a hurry, right? Yes. So he was just too quick to come down. And JoJo was already over there. He was – yeah. correct. Know where your help is, right? Right, right? And you hear that so much defensively. Know exactly where your help is because – JoJo could have come down and helped. He got a little jam. could have helped out Deontay. But Deontay was too quick over the middle, too, because he has no – I think this muke was over there. and yep. can't, So it's just – guys were just too quick to help out. They could have just stayed and played a little more patiently. You, you probably could have got that guy down and mm-hmm. maybe kept him short of the goal line and, and try to you know, hold him for three points. But, you know, they did enough to win that football game. And really, there's only a couple times where we really had mm-hmm. breakdowns like that. We're pleased to bring in Sean Callahan with his thoughts. Sean, you know, any time a win is good, but really Nebraska played – I'd say one of the best games they played in the last two years. I mean, overall, had good plays on special teams, offense looked great, and the defense made a whole bunch of big plays. Yeah, you really can't be too critical about any aspect. They set, they set the tone early with a block punt. They got a punt return. The offense scored on a one-yard in a 17-yard field. They got three and outs. They got third down sacks with three and four-man rushes. I mean, they did things we haven't seen all season. And granted, Purdue is kind of a hot mess, but that's what you should do when you're playing a team that – had eight players opt out for the week, and a number of other things were going on, I think, within that locker room. They went out there, and they stomped on them early. And Dedrick Mills, too, I think having him back, Michael, even though he didn't really give them a lot of yards, just the consistency to have 16 carries from the tailback in one game, we just haven't seen that. Um, it's been kind of a, a hodgepodge of trying to get 16 carries and to have one guy give them that. I think it took a lot of pressure off the quarterbacks and then the coaching staff to maybe throw in some of these younger running backs. And Sean, you know, we talk so much about the offense because it's led the team's led by an offensive-minded guy. I think the secondary so far has really gotten to the point where you are comfortable with Boodle, with Cam Taylor-Britt, the safeties are playing better. And then on, on top of that, the outside linebackers all of a sudden making plays, D-line making plays. It was a good day for both the pass rush and the secondary. Yeah, you know, when you first looked at that scheme going into the year, you're like, man, they're going to really be able to survive with JoJo Doman as the nickel. And if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year if JoJo Doman can match up with Rondell Moore, have 10, 15 passes and one-on-one coverage with Rondell Moore and hold his own, I would have said no way. And for JoJo Doman to do that, to limit him to just one catch of 22 yards, everything else was, what, three- to four-yard type plays, tops. I think he did an outstanding job. It was one of the more individual defensive efforts we've seen from a guy. And you mentioned the secondary, Cam Taylor-Britt, DiCaprio Boodle. They've been locked down corners. I mean, that was a tough assignment in David Bell. Um, He's probably a high, I don't know where he falls, Michael, on a draft board, but you would think he's a top three-round guy a year from now when he he comes out. And uh, that was a tough assignment. And you knew those guys were going to get a lot of balls. And Nebraska's secondary, you know, they gave up one big one, uh, but I felt like they did a good job of limiting those big plays. All right, Sean, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you later and find out more about recruiting, of course, more on the Minnesota game as well. But next up, we're joined by Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Before that, you can learn how you can help to donate to NET, Nebraska's PBS, and NPR stations to continue the strong local content you love. Here's Perry Stoner with more. Perry? Thanks a lot, Michael. Hey, everyone. Two weeks in a row, I get to be here watching the Big Red Wrap-Up team live in the studio. This is the last time I'll be here during this fall membership drive. I'm excited to be here again. You know, NET is Nebraska's home for sports, and this weekly program is one of the biggest reasons why. It's never been more important to watch Big Red Wrap-Up to stay informed with what's happening with our Huskers team. And I'm here to say thanks for your help in making Big Red Wrap-Up happen. That's right. Those who support NET with financial contributions make programs like 
like this happen. We're in our fall membership drive, as I said, and we've got some special thank you gifts when you give us a call and join. Call at 800-989-8236, or you can go online to netnebraska.org slash donate, and we'll welcome your membership with thank you gifts like these. We have a $96 combination package, $8 a month. You'll receive the photo book, Farewell to the Big 12, plus the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. This book is a hardcover photo book by Ken Jureski. It gives us an entire season of images that capture the games and the world that surrounds them. This book features more than 275 images by the veteran photojournalist, a definitive look at the Huskers' final season in the Big 12 Conference. Or for $60, you have your choice. $60 or a $5 a month contribution, farewell to the Big 12 book, or you can select the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. You'll see it's nice and red, so you can show off your Husker colors there, too. Show your support of NET Sports with this cap, and it's only while supplies last. Give us a call, 800-989-8236, or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. You know, by watching that NET loves sports, and we're so proud to have brought you the high school volleyball state championships a few weeks ago. And just a couple of weeks ago, we adjusted all our plans to the changes in the schedule for the high school football championships. We are able to bring you six games on the same day in six different locations. We figured out how to bring them all to you because we know that these events are things that bring the state together. Now it's time for you to keep it all possible. Join us right now with your financial contribution. And we have these great thank you gifts that we'll run through again when you call 800-989-8236 or when you go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. For a $96 contribution or $8 a month, you'll receive this farewell to the Big 12 book plus the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. As we mentioned, this book has 275 images by veteran photojournalist Ken Jureski. You know, Mr. Jureski was a college football player himself at UNO, and then he began his photo career. He uh, went to several Olympics games and all kinds of things all around the world. Or for a different option, you can donate $60, $5 a month for this big this book, Farewell to the Big 12, or you can choose the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. That's a $60 contribution, just $5 a month. Show your support of NET Sports with this great cap, or choose the combination and you'll get the book as well. Give us a call at 800-989-8236 or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. Thank you for your continued support of NET Sports. And now let's get back to the program and talk more Husker football. This is Stop Plays. Voted you from uh, the Purdue game. Here's what's crazy. This one is uh, Levi Block Punt was supposed to be the number three on there, but that is uh, the great run by Martinez into the end zone and making the play there. Uh, number two is the block punt, which probably should have been number one in my opinion, but Simon Odie knocks it all the way down to the one yard. And, of course, Dedrick Mills comes in on the next play, and he ends up getting the touchdown to start the game off well for Nebraska. And then the number one play voted on by you from the Purdue game is, oh, the great play by Cam Taylor-Britt leaping into the air and knocking the ball away as it was intended for David Bell. It really saved the game in the very end. Time to check out some of the best on social media from the past week. First up, Meg makes a good point as she examines the winning percentages of Nebraska football under the mascots. You have Blonde Herbie, who was 82% winning percentage, and then you have the new slim-down brunette Herbie 
only 59%. Maybe we need to go back to the blonde. Herbie, next up, Twitter user is wondering if Omar Manning is nothing but a ruse, saying at this point, I'm not sure Omar Manning actually exists. He is a fictional wide receiver created by Scott Frost to confuse opposing defensive coordinators. And finally, this is pretty funny because it's true. Jacob summarizes the fourth quarter of the Purdue game with just laundry all over the field. A lot of flags being uh, shown. These last few minutes of Nebraska versus Purdue um, summarized. Good job by Jacob, who is a former um, ball boy and a guy with the Nebraska basketball. Happy now to welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, where he covers Nebraska football. Mitch, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mitch, when we look back on this year, and I know we may have one, two, or three games left, but you think we look back and we say what happened at Illinois ended up being a good thing for Nebraska? That really depends on what happens over the next two or three weeks. I I, I have a hard time right now looking at that game and thinking that there's really anything good that comes out of it. If, you know, if there's one, if there's something to draw on, it's that I don't expect that kind of letdown that Nebraska had before that game, after the Penn State victory to repeat itself following another victory. So you kind of learned a really hard lesson in a bad way. But um, I think Nebraska is at the point of development in its program in year three under Scott Frost, um, you know, really kind of desperate for a 500 or above season that it can't afford that kind of a loss. that, that, That loss to me is going to be kind of a stain on this season. Uh, really, no matter what happens from here, even if Nebraska wins out, goes to a bowl game, wins that one, you're going to look back on that game. I think the Nebraska players and coaches will and say, you know, that shouldn't have happened. And if it hadn't, uh, we could have been one game better. Mitch, I've got Adrian Martinez performance the last couple of weeks, and it's been some of his best football he's played since he's been here in the last uh, three years. And I look back to the Northwestern game, and he's pulled it late in the second half for the interception. He tries to throw to Austin Allen in the end zone. Luke comes in, and he finishes out the game. Then, obviously, Luke comes into the Penn State game. Did we overreact a little bit with Adrian in allowing Luke to get some more time against Penn State just because uh, the way I look at it, I don't know if Adrian was ever performing bad. It's just, do we not give Northwestern maybe enough credit for how good a defense they were? Yeah, Jay, that's where I'd go with it first is I'd say look at Northwestern's defense and what it's done to other teams. Look at what it did to Graham Mertz and and Wisconsin. Look at what Northwestern did for the last three quarters of its game against Iowa. That's a good defense. And Pat Fitzgerald has always had good defenses. I think he's been very good at scheming against Nebraska and Adrian Martinez in particular over the past couple of years. So yes and no. Part of part of what happened there at the end of the Northwestern game and then going toward Penn State and Illinois is that Nebraska was reacting to what was an extremely close quarterback competition through the preseason, through the month of, of October. Uh, until that Ohio State game. And I really think that if Luke McCaffrey had been the guy with more experience coming into the season, he played well enough to win the job on October 24th in the season opener. So because of that, I think Nebraska was quick to say, all right, if there's a mistake that costs us a game, or or even if there's if there's reason for, for us as Nebraska to want to know what the other guy's going to do, then we need to we owe it to him. We owe it to the team to make that change. If that race had not been as close in the month of October, and even in the off season when those two guys were able to work together with their wide receivers, then I think you you wouldn't have seen Nebraska have uh, as quick of a hook with Martinez as it did. But I think it had a lot more to do with things that happened in the off season than, than just the Northwestern game. Mitch Sherman joining us from The Athletic. With that said, are you surprised that Luke isn't getting more touches from running back or wide receiver when he's not in there at quarterback? 
Yeah, a little bit. I, I still think that Nebraska needs to find a way to incorporate him into the offensive plan. Um, you know, obviously we saw it against Iowa with the third and fourth series of the game. I thought that really sparked Nebraska. He got two field goal drives, and, and then Martinez came back in and scored a couple of, and led a couple of touchdown drives right after that. That that was a, a plan that that two 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 uh, situation with the with those guys splitting drives. Um, or splitting time that I think really benefited Nebraska in that game. I understand why they didn't go back to it against Purdue because Martinez was rolling pretty good, but I still think that they, they need to find a way with all of the weapons that Nebraska expected to have at the beginning of the year that aren't out there on offense right now, both at the receiver spot and the, and the running back spot. Luke McCaffrey is one of Nebraska's better athletes, unquestionably. I think they need to find a way over these next couple of weeks to get him on the field more than what we saw against Purdue, more than what we saw against Northwestern. I think when you look back at the game, Mitch, the thing that surprised me the most was the pressure that Nebraska got on Purdue's quarterbacks. They only had nine sacks all season long. What do you think about the way of Ben Stilley, Casey Rogers, Garrett Nelson, the way those guys played? Yeah, a lot of times it was a three-man rush. I mean, you, you mentioned Nelson. Um, when he was coming, it was more of a four-man rush. But um, when Damian Daniels was in, he was getting good pressure on the quarterback. Stilly, Nelson, Ty Robinson. Uh, those guys have, have, I think, emerged, those four that I mentioned up front, uh, as Nebraska's top defensive linemen at this point of the season, six games in. Um, and they do a nice job. Um, they did an especially nice job against Purdue. And, you know, the result was some holding penalties for Purdue, Mm -hmm. two on one series, and then another later in the game. Um, I know there was a lot of talk during the week before that game about how long it had been since Nebraska defenders had drawn a holding penalty. It was all the way back to the Purdue game last year in October. Uh, More than 500 snaps, I believe, of of defensive football since Nebraska had, had drawn one of those. Well, part of the reason is that the Huskers hadn't been getting a good pass rush. So when they started to amp up the pressure with the pass rush, it's not really a surprise that the holding penalties followed because obviously when you're tougher to block, the likelihood to hold uh, goes up. Mitch, you're, you're a baseball guy. Obviously, you, you've kept book over the years. You get an extra inning game, all of a sudden your book's all messed up. If you're keeping book for the schedule for the Big Ten, I mean, we're, we're all over the place. How, how difficult is it as a guy who covers you know the West and the whole Big Ten to be even keeping up with what's going on? Well, I mean, it's like that in every conference. So it's not just a Big Ten thing. But in the Big Ten, you know, you had version 1.0 with the schedule. You had version 2.0 with the schedule. Now we're working on version 3.0. And it's probably not version 3.0. It's like about to be version 3.1 or 3.2. Um, yeah, if you had a baseball book or some kind of a, of, a, of a scorekeeping device for how the Big Ten schedule has worked out this year, uh, it would be illegible at this point. You'd have X's and things crossed out. And I hope you're, I hope you're writing in, in, in pencil at, at this stage of the season because um, it's been unlike any season that we've ever had and, and hopefully ever will have when it comes to scheduling. Mitch, while we tape the show, we're, only, we're less than two weeks away from this championship game, uh, the championship game and the other games, and we really don't know anything about it. Have you heard anything about how they're actually going to do this? And will they be able to get, say, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota to play each other so they can play for the Axe or, or one of the other rivalry games being able to reschedule? What's going to happen championship week? Well, anytime we start to think we know what's going to happen, um, <laughs> there are other ideas. You know, COVID has other ideas. And, you know, it's Tuesday here and you hear about Indiana having issues today, Purdue's having issues today. Of course, Michigan has canceled. The Michigan-Ohio State game is not going to happen. What's Wednesday going to bring? What's Thursday going to bring, let alone December 19th? So by the time we get to that game, you know, I expect a, a, another three to four rounds of changes. But if things go smoothly as the Big Ten hopes between now 
in the end of next week, you know, obviously in the next few days, we're going to get some kind of a schedule, certainly by Sunday at the very latest when, when the standings, the regular season standings are complete, they are go as a league are going to have to say, all right, these are the matchups. Here's where we're going to have them. I think the most likely thing is to have a couple of games in Indianapolis. Of course, the championship game is set for Indy, but there will be most likely another game there. It would make sense to have Indiana play there, Mm -hmm. maybe Indiana, Iowa, if that's the second place game. And then, you know, your guess is as good as mine on on three through seven. Could be home stadiums. They could try to go to Minneapolis inside of a dome. They could kind of go to, try to go to Detroit inside of a dome. Um, you know, they're going to try to minimize travel. I do think we're going to have a chance to see that axe game uh, happen with uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. So it's not going to be all crossovers, but um, it's still a very fluid situation. Mitch, I know that Scott Frost didn't want to get into it, but it's so complicated with the fact that this year doesn't count. Guys who are seniors maybe could come back. Do you have a feel on on how that's going to all work? And and is there one or two guys that you see on that defense maybe that you think it'd be great if they could have them back for another year? Yeah, there's several guys on the defense who it would be great for Nebraska to have back for another year. I mean, Ben Stilley, we talked about him a little bit with the defensive line, and and I'd put JoJo Doman in that category. I think both of those guys would have some kind of an opportunity at the next level, Um, you know, whether it's being drafted or or picked up as a free agent. Um, the, The question becomes... Can they improve their their ability to get to the next level and and put themselves in a good situation by coming back and playing a full season? You have to consider injuries and the possibility of that. You know, I think Colin Miller is a candidate to come back if he's healthy after the uh, the injury that cut short his season. Um, Will Honus, to me, as a senior, has really had a breakout season this year. I think he's probably going to have some kind of an opportunity, but if Nebraska can find a way to get him back, that would be great. And there's three seniors in the secondary um, who also – all could be on the fence in one way or another. Although, you know, Deontay Williams is, he's been around the block. He's been through some injuries. He's a little bit older, um, I think, than the other guys back there. Wouldn't be surprised at all if, um, you know, he decides it's time to move on and take a shot at the next level. Um, You know, on the offensive side, the only thing I think we know is that Brendan Hymas is going to be gone. Uh, Nebraska starting left tackle is is definitely going to have a chance to play in the NFL next season. If we start listing guys who are possible MVPs, where does Connor Culp fit in all this, the transfer from LSU? I think he's an all big 10 candidate. If that tells you anything, he's 12 of 13 on field goals this year. He, um, you know, is a massive upgrade for Nebraska with what it had at the kicking situation a year ago. I think that goes without saying Huskers would not have even considered trying a 49 yard field goal a year ago. And and that was, uh, you know, made without much drama last uh, Saturday at Purdue. So um, has he won that many games yet? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe Nebraska doesn't get out of Purdue w- without Colt. Um, he's been. He's been a a, a a huge plus as a grad transfer from LSU. Uh, he deserves to be put on scholarship as soon as Nebraska can can uh, can do that. And he's another guy that the Huskers I know would love to have back in 2021. Ms. Sherman joining us from the Athletic. So, what's your feel for Minnesota if this game happens on Saturday? We don't know who they're going to have playing. They'll have a number of guys out. But what's your yeah. feel about Nebraska going against Minnesota this year? Well, last year was a was an awakening for Nebraska against Minnesota. The Huskers came off of a a, a big win, um, Scott Frost's first win against the Gophers the, the previous year. I'm not sure what Nebraska was expecting on that trip up to Minneapolis, but it was an undefeated team and, and it treated Nebraska rudely. So I think that's that physicality that Minnesota played with in that 34-7 win in Minneapolis is on the minds of some of the veteran Nebraska players. Um, they, they, they want to be able to make a statement that they've closed the gap 
uh, as far as the phys- physical level of play that, that, that they're capable of between Nebraska and, and some of the uh, other teams, all of the other teams in the Big Ten West. Nebraska didn't get a crack at Wisconsin this year. Uh, it hung close with Iowa. Um, I thought it, it showed well on the physical the physicality side against Iowa and Ohio State, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a physical team. So I expect Nebraska's going to hang in much better in that area. And it's hard to know with Minnesota what it's going to have because of all of the issues with players who have to sit out in the COVID protocol. So if Minnesota's at full strength, yeah, I expect it to be a good game. Uh, but the Gophers may be, uh, may be far from full strength when they show up on Friday. Mitch, Mitch, you mentioned Ohio State. What do you think is up happening with that? Is it is it simply going to be the team with the best winning percentage goes to the Big Ten title game? Yeah, I think the Big Ten is going to allow Ohio State into the into the title game, uh, whether it's able to find a game this week as a replacement for Michigan or not. Um, Ohio State clearly is the best team in the league. It played Indiana, which is the other team there atop the East. So if there was a debate to be had about those two teams, I think it's settled pretty easily because of what happened on the field. Mm-hmm. If that game had been canceled, if it hadn't been played, and you were you were getting down to a tiebreaker situation and Ohio State didn't have the, the mandatory number of games at that point, it would be a completely different conversation. But Ohio State has done everything that it, is, it, it, it has been asked to do, everything that it could do up to this point. It's not the Buckeyes' fault that, that, uh, that, that they're not able to play a game. I, I think we've learned in 2020 that you've got to be nimble as, de- as a decision maker, as a conference. Um, so I, I think it would be wrong of the Big Ten not to amend that rule and allow Ohio State into the championship game. Um, and, of course, it will also help the Buckeyes bid to make the college football playoff to beat Northwestern if they're able to do that and have a Big Ten championship in their back pocket for the committee. You've had a chance to travel around to some of these road stadiums. Obviously, not a lot of fans there. What's it been like as a person who's covered the Big Ten for a while now during this 2020 COVID season? Yeah, I mean, the the, the real weird one for me was the first game in Lincoln. Um, so used to seeing the red and the, and the 90,000. So that that game was um, was bizarre uh, when the Huskers opened against Penn State. Um, even more strange than going to the Horseshoe and, and seeing the empty Ohio State Stadium. It's you know it's a year. It, you, you feel like uh, you you pull up at the front door of the yeah. stadium like Kinnick uh, on on Black Friday. I felt like I was I was um, you know going to talk to Kirk Ferentz for on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, not 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 anything like what um, you know what the normal. Uh, Black Friday feel is or Saturday feel is in this league. And, and, you know, credit to the players for being able to produce some energy, uh, bring their own juice as uh, Nebraska players have grown accustomed to saying this year, not an easy thing to do when you're in a a, a giant stadium that holds 90,000 people and there's a a few parents over there clapping. Uh, It's a difficult situation to play in. It's a difficult situation just to watch a game in and feel energized. So uh, all of those guys who've gone out there every Saturday across the Big Ten and across the country in empty stadiums deserve uh, some recognition for being able to to, uh, to focus the way that they have. Mitch, last thing, you expect Nebraska to, to go to a bowl game? Nebraska wins the next two weeks, absolutely. I don't think a three and five Nebraska team or a three and four Nebraska team gets invited to a bowl game, but I think a 500 Nebraska team um, is an attractive, attractive bowl matchup for whether it's an ESPN game. I mean, those TV games, those ESPN games, are most of those games are going to get played. I know we've mm-hmm. seen some bowl games get canceled, and I've heard questions about. Uh, are they all going to get canceled? Are we only going to have the New Year's Six games? I don't think that's the case at all because there's so much of a TV uh, investment in many of these bowl games. So um, two more wins for Nebraska 
And it, it, yes, it, it will be playing in the postseason, but anything less than that, and, and I think the Huskers will be home after December 19th. Mitch, we appreciate it. We'll see you on Saturday. Okay, good to see you guys. Thank Mitch, you. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. We appreciate him. Up next, Sean Callahan is back to run through developments in Big Red's recruiting. Before that, though, here's Perry Stoner again with some great items you can receive while helping to support local content like Big Red Wrap-Up right here on NET. Thanks very much, Michael. And here's that book I've been talking about. Farewell to the Big 12, Husker Game Day 2010. It's that photo book from Ken Jureski. I'm going to tell you how you can get that in just a second. You know, fans and supporters of Husker Athletics and NET have something in common. We all stick together, right? Your loyalty to NET helps make possible great programs like Big Red Wrap-Up. And I love the fast-moving and in-depth ways that this program dives into our Husker football program like no other program does on TV. We're back to thank you for watching and supporting NET during our fall membership drive. NET is here throughout the year bringing you great sports coverage like basketball, wrestling, high school football, and volleyball too. We've got information to invite you to join the NET Sports Partners Club to keep all the sports going here on NET. That number to call is 800-989-8236 or you can go online to netnebraska.org slash donate and choose your thank you gift. That first one is a combo package, $96 or $8 a month. You'll receive this farewell to the Big 12 book plus the Big Red Wrap-Up cap. This hardcover book by Ken Jureski, it gives us an entire season of images home and away games that capture the games and the world that surrounds them. It featured more than 275 images from veteran photojournalist Ken Jureski. It's a definitive look at the Huskers' final season in the Big 12. For a $60 or $5 a month contribution, you can receive the book, or you can take the other option, which is the Big Red Wrap-Up fall cap. You can show your support of NET Sports and uh, the Big Red Wrap-Up with, with the Big Red Wrap-Up logo, and it's only while supplies last. So we want you to encourage you to give us a call at 800-989-8236 or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. This is a hefty book, folks. It's got over 200 pages, 275 images, as we said. It's a really nice coffee table book. And as I said, it's, it's hardcover and it's heavy and it's got a lot of great images. Taylor Martinez, uh, Roy Hallou, Rex Burkhead are some of the top players from this season that are included in this book. So give us a call, a $96 contribution or $8 a month. You'll receive this book and the Big, uh, big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap or for a $60 contribution. You can make your choice of either the book or the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. Show your support of NET Sports with this red hat or this book, and uh, give us a call while these supplies last. 800-989-8236 or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. You know, Big Red Wrap-Up is just one example of quality sports programming locally produced here at NET. We've done in-depth sports journalism with documentaries about football and volleyball, three documentaries about the volleyball doc, uh, national championships we've brought to you. And uh, the most recent program we had was State of Volleyball, where we featured Nebraska uh, coach John Cook and Creighton University coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth. So we hope you didn't miss that. And we want to keep these kind of programs going. So give us a call at 800-989-8236 or netnebraska.org slash donate. And now we'll go back to Michael. I think we have more guys on the team now that love football. That certainly helps. I think we got guys that care about each other more. Um, they f- still feel like they're uh, having fun playing and have something to prove. You know, our team, we, we didn't get bowl practices last year, and there wasn't a, a spring practice this year. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're improving. We're, we're, we're continuously getting better. Um, and that's not an excuse for earlier in the season. That's just, 
you know, we are, we are getting better as a football team, offense, defense, special teams, um, and I think it's showing up the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I think because our quarterbacks can run the ball and they've, and they've been throwing the ball accurately, that, that helps us stay balanced. Uh, that helps us stay really balanced. And so it's a combination, really, of all position groups and coaches working a little bit harder and, and doing the best we can. I would say that, that we just need to continue building, uh, build off of this win that, that we just had. You know, the last time we came off of, off of a win, the next week wasn't so pretty for us. But, um, you know, just learning from that, um, understanding that, you know, we just got to put in, put in the work during the week um, and just continue to just, you know, chip away at it. You, you got to learn from a win and learn from a loss. Um, I, I've really seen our habits and a lot of things around the building get better the last uh, couple weeks. Um, coming off a win, you got to double down on that. Do even more of it. Um, make sure you're focused. Focus is good. Your practice habits are good. Your effort's good. Um, and I expect the guys to, to respond well this week. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on The Wrap-Up. I'm Michael Severe, joined by Sean Callahan. Interesting week, Sean. Lose a recruit, gain a recruit. Yeah, Patrick Payton uh, decommitted uh, during the game, of all things, a uh, Miami Northwestern product and had never visited Lincoln, Michael. So, um, you know, you never felt all the way good about his recruitment since, you know, the, 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 the fact that he hadn't been to campus. But they pick up a commitment in Raekwon Buckley, um, who, you know, at one point – we thought was going to commit earlier to Nebraska, held off his um, announcement, picked Nebraska over Michigan State. So uh, this was a, a battle within the league, and he picked Nebraska over the home state school. Fits the 3-4 defense. You see the length there at 6'5", 280. Um, really fits the type of defensive ends that they want on that front uh, defensive line. And we'll have Jay talk a little bit more why it's important to have a guy that size at five technique. He also said... He was looking to leave out of Michigan, right? And it looks like his mom is going to move to Lincoln as well? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that over the years where sometimes families have moved and relocated. Um, and, and this is another one of those cases where, um, you know, if you've got the ability to, to relocate and things work out, um, you know, this is an opportunity for them to come up here and be with him uh, for his college career. And remember, Michael, next week is signing day on Wednesday. It's hard to believe uh, we'll be in the middle of a season and a good majority of Nebraska's current commits will probably be signing on Wednesday. Talk about one of those, A.J. Rollins, uh, the tight end, defensive end, outside linebacker from Creighton Prep. What do you think he brings to one of three tight ends that are coming into the class? What do you think he brings to Nebraska? Well, good length, good size. Um, I had a chance to see him a couple of times play this year. Um, Had six touchdown catches in nine games, so was a good red zone presence. But I think it's the upside. Um, And, you know, Nebraska saw A.J. Rollins when he was in a team camp. They really liked the ability he had going into his junior year, they offered him. You saw a number of teams follow. Missouri was another one that offered right away. Um, and and I, I felt like Nebraska just said, you know what, this is a local guy with a great frame, great athletic ability. We're going to work with this body and frame and, and make him into something. And, you know, he could potentially play defense too, um, maybe outside linebacker in the 3 4, uh, but probably yeah. tight in at this point right now. And then uh, one of our in-state guys, Deshaun Woods, speaking of guys with a lot of offers. Yeah, Deshaun Woods is a national top 250 recruit out of Omaha Central, 6'5", 275. Is a tackle today as far as where he wants to play. I think he could probably play guard as well. Um, But he has 
you name it, type of Power 5 offers. And Michael, he's a part of a group of 2022 local players Mm -hmm. that have major Power 5 offers. I mean, 2022 is going to be an outstanding year for Nebraska with the talent that's at Bellevue West, at Omaha Central, Omaha Burke. You go down the line, there is a lot of players, and Deshaun Woods here is another one. And you look at that body at pushing 300 pounds, some pretty good weight on that frame right now uh, for just a kid in his junior year of high school. Really a great athlete. Too bad he didn't get a chance to play this year. Sean, we appreciate it. Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey question. After the last performance, do you think Nebraska will win out? The current votes right now, 79% of the folks say yes, Nebraska will win out in their final games, however many games that is. Uh, About 8% say no. And then about 13% say depends on who the opponent will be on December 19th for that championship Saturday. Make sure you visit the wrap-up website to cast your vote. Time to take a quick look around the Big Ten from the past weekend. The Indiana Hoosiers continued a magic season, snapping a 10-game losing streak against Wisconsin. They dominated that game, defeating the Badgers 14-6. And Ohio State continues their march to the championship game, hopefully, uh, for the Big Ten's sake, dominating Michigan State 52-12. The Buckeyes are hoping to get their next game in, which will be canceled against Michigan, but uh, get another game in, of course, against Northwestern in the championship game. And then Minnesota canceled their game last weekend due to COVID issues in the respective programs, and that's two weeks back-to-back for them. All right, let's talk a little bit about Minnesota now. And, Sean, real quick, I want to go to you. Um, your, your feel about the way Minnesota will be in terms of personnel, how many do you think they'll be at without? Well, they've said at least 20, and so what does that mean? Is it closer to 25? Is it closer? I mean, so we, we don't really know um, who that 20 is going to be, but I do know Minnesota doesn't carry near the number of walk-ons and additional players a team like Nebraska does. So you have to think some very important scholarship guys are in that group and pregame warm-ups. You know, if you're Nebraska, you're going to have some spotters probably up in the booth or wherever at in the stadium just trying to get an idea uh, of who's out. And I'm sure uh, they'll be scanning Twitter trying to see which players are dressed, which ones aren't on this trip for Minnesota. That's one thing about this season. Teams have not put out travel rosters either uh, because of COVID. So you have to do your own counts um, and get your own idea of who's out there on a Saturday. Jay, we were talking about Rukon Buckley, who is 6'5", 280. How difficult is that position for Nebraska, whether it is the five technique or four eye or wherever they're playing to play it? And, and what kind of size do you have to have to be able to play well, it? You, you need to be long. you got to be able to play with good – that's a, you got to be long, and that's tough because taller guys have issues staying, keeping their pads leverage. low. But the leverage. But you play with, you get the, the, the long arms, you get your hands inside, and you get them to play a good paddle over. Then they can kind of control and get off blocks. But the thing with Nebraska is they require most of their guys, to, other than you know, your first and second downs, they require most of your guys. I mean, you see Ben Stilly line up at a one technique a lot in their pass mm-hmm. situation. So you got to gotta be able to play all across the board, but you got to be long. You, you just you don't see to the, five, the three techniques, the fives, you got to have some length. And there's not too many, you know, six foot guys with a super long arm. So you got to have the, have the length, but then learn the pad level, learn the technique, learn the footwork to, to kind of put it all together. Toughest part about going against the RPO when you face Minnesota on Saturday? Oh, you know what? It's it's just keeping again. We we talk about playing with good eye discipline. You got to because Abraham is a really good running back, arguably, arguably one of the best running backs in in the Big Ten. And Tanner Morgan can do some things with his legs as well. So if 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 Tanner, you see Tanner on Saturday, they don't have Bateman. Um, he you know he's already said he's opted out. But you got to be able to play discipline, keep your keys, play with good eye discipline. 
Know, your, know where your help is. We already talked about that. That's the biggest thing, RPOs, is just knowing where your help is, where to funnel the ball back to, um, play with good leverage, spill when you need to spill, uh, set the edge when you need to set the edge. And that's just, that's, no matter if it's RPO or whatever it is, that's just, you got to play good, solid, fundamental defense uh, and against um, a good uh, you know, offensive uh, style in, that Minnesota has. Sean, we feel good about this game happening Saturday against Minnesota. But what about championship week? What are you hearing? Yeah, yeah, I think it changes by the day. And, you know, right now, you know, my thought is, are Purdue and Michigan going to be out for championship week? Just some of the things you hear about the positive cases right now at Purdue and Michigan, will that knock them out another week, mm. um, you know, for that, that week? And if that did, it would maybe make things easier to allow Wisconsin play Minnesota uh, because you need that that matchup. But I think we know the championship game, it's Northwestern Ohio State. I think we know Iowa and Indiana could play probably Friday night in Indianapolis and the winner of that game maybe goes to the Fiesta Bowl. But after that, it's like how do we pair up everybody so it's not a rematch? So for Nebraska, that might be Michigan State, that might be Maryland, that might be Rutgers. Um, So you have to try to puzzle this together with like records, well, guess what, Michael? There's 10 teams right now uh, sitting at two wins. So the, everyone's got a similar record in this league other than those four teams. Nebraska's played three of those four teams, by the way, Northwestern and uh, Ohio State um, and Iowa. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I do think you're going to see a couple Friday games, so how they do that. And I do think you're going to see some games in, in Indianapolis besides the championship game. Jay, as a competitor, do you think Noah Vedrill is looking forward to a Rutgers-Nebraska matchup? Say so. <laughs> I, I'd imagine he'd be pretty happy to get a get a matchup against there just to kind of show what he's able to do and what they're possibly what they're missing out on, you know. And I don't I don't fault him for for going. And you know I don't know how much he's been in the mix this year, anyways. I don't I, I, we don't know, but I knowing him and the competitor he is, I, I bet you he is the, he is very happy to get a rematch. Sean, you like uh, Nebraska against Minnesota this week? I do. Uh, I just think the questions around Minnesota, number one, they haven't played a game since the Friday night of the Nebraska High School State Championship game. That was ages ago. And then number two, Bateman opts out. And you just don't know what other guys are out right now. And they haven't done much. So Nebraska at home, even, that's a significant advantage um, being here for the week. Um, the way they're playing, too, I think the last two weeks we've seen Nebraska really take steps in the right direction at Iowa and then on the road at Purdue. Um, so I, I think this is a great opportunity for Nebraska here at home. And you get the sense it's important for Nebraska. It's important to this coaching staff. Um, they want to finish out uh, because they know a strong finish, especially in a place like Nebraska, changes the whole offseason here, changes the whole feel, changes sports talk radio, changes bigger at wrap-up. Everything is different and better if you could win a game or two here. Here, uh, down the stretch, even though a lot of people on the outside would be like, these are meaningless games, but they're not meaningless here in Nebraska. Yeah. Sean, let's go with you. Burning question. What do you got? My burning question um, is, can Nebraska just get off to a good start and, and really step on Minnesota early? I think this is a game um, where Minnesota being a little rusty, there's a real opportunity for Nebraska to jump on them early. What about you, Jay? Can Adrian Martinez keep going? We've seen him uh, two straight performances that have been really, really good. And can he keep it going, keep this offense going? And like Sean said, step on their throats and you can. So can Adrian Martinez, it helps, you know, can he get snaps again? I said that's my burning question last week. He got, he, Cam Jurgens was perfect this week. So snaps and can Adrian keep, keep the hot streak going, playing well? My burning question is Nebraska cleaned up turnovers last week. Can they clean up penalties 
Uh, that was way too many penalties. I know some were questionable. Way too many penalties last week against Purdue. Can Nebraska clean up penalties to go along with cleaning up turnovers? I sh- I'm sure the combination of those would lead to a win. Don't forget to head to our website and Facebook page to click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what to expect on Saturday. The Huskers are back home for the final time this season, most likely, as they welcome in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 11 o'clock kickoff again continues for Nebraska this week. The game will be televised on FS1. And we'll be back next week, of course, to take a look at that game and look ahead to whomever Nebraska might be playing on championship week with our special guest, former Husker Jeremiah Searles. Our thanks to Mitch Sherman. For joining us tonight, Jay Moore, Sean Callahan, I'm Michael Severe. Now one more time, here's Perry Stoner. One more time, we're going to ask you to give us a call and begin to renew your membership right now. And that's how you support great sports on NET. Give us a call at 800-989-8236. We've got some great thank you gifts when you do. For an $8 a month contribution, $96 one-time contribution, you'll receive the combination Farewell to the Big 12 book plus a big good wrap-up ball cap. This is a hardcover photo book by Ken Jureski, and it gives us an entire season of images that capture the games of the final season of the Big 12 conference. This book features more than 200 175 images. It's a definitive look at the Huskers' final season in the Big 12 Conference. Or for a $60 contribution at $5 a month, you have two choices. You'll receive that book, The Farewell to the Big 12, or the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. You can show your support of NET Sports and show that you've made an investment on all these great sports to come to you all around the state. While supplies last, give us a call at 800-989-8236 or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. There are many advantages to being a member of the NET Sports Partners Club. We have special events that the NET Sports team puts together for fans like tailgate parties. They could be right here at the studio or on location. We'll have special guests and tours, and they give you a behind-the-scenes look at how live sports production happens. It's a great way to see how TV programs come together and meet some of the production team that does it all. All for you. Several cameras are on location. Multiple microphones are strategically placed at venues. NET Sports production is high quality because that's what you expect when you're watching your favorite sports on NET. Give us a call and begin or renew your membership, 800-989-8236. You're enjoying this program along with us, so pick up the phone and become a member. $96 contribution, $8 a month. You'll receive the combination Farewell to the Big 12 book plus the Big Red Wrap-Up Ball Cap. It's that hardcover book, over 275 images or you can uh, contribute at $60, $5 a month and receive either the Farewell to the Big 12 book or the Big Red Wrap-Up ball cap. So give us a call at 800-989-8236 or go online to netnebraska.org slash donate. Thanks so much for watching and supporting NET.